Well, it's good to see you. Thank you all for coming tonight. I know we're excited about celebrating and, and just having a good time of fellowship here with the Perleones. And uh, did I actually do that right, Nico? Perleones? Hey, I've been working on it all day. I've been looking in the mirror. Perleone? No, I'm kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I just prayed a lot. And so, hey, no. But it's, I tell you, I'm glad we're looking forward to the baby. And let me encourage you, if you're here with us tonight, if you lo- we'd love for you to come down and have a time of fellowship here with us here in just a moment. And just celebrating, you say, that's a baby shower. That's a guy's no-no. This is like the best setup for guys for the baby shower, as I said this morning. You got the, the ladies do all the ooing and aahing and ooing, and we get to do all the talking and doing guy stuff, whatever that is. So we're, we're excited about that. There'll be some food, some fellowship. We love for that to happen, you to hang around for that. And because of that, because of the baby shower, I only have 37 points tonight to my sermon. No, I'm Man, some of y'all are like packing up. I'm just kidding. Go ahead and open your Bibles though to Luke chapter 9 if you would tonight. Luke chapter number 9. And we'll go ahead and get into our passage of scripture that we're going to look at. And uh, as has been mentioned, uh, some things coming up. I, I really encourage you, if you can, uh, next Sunday evening, uh, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. We only do that a few times a year. And uh, that's something I think is really sweet to do as a church family is to get together to observe the Lord's Supper. And by the way, we don't have closed communion. That means you don't have to be a member of Emmanuel to do it. We just believe, as the Scripture teaches, that if we, you have faith and trust in Christ as a believer, you're welcome. Even so, come, dine, partake of it. We'd love for you to do that. And it's a good part of the service. Uh, as you'll notice, when we get to Lord's Supper, I don't like to tack it onto a service, if you know what I mean. Like, people just kind of throw it on the beginning, throw it in. We try to really focus that whole service uh, that evening on, as it says up here on this table, this do in remembrance of me to really focus on that. And so I encourage you to come be a part of that with some other things coming up. We'll let you know about those, talk about those things later. But Luke chapter number nine is where we're going to be at tonight. Uh, Just for a little bit, just ending in the last six verses there in uh, Luke chapter number nine and beginning in verse number 57, the Bible says this in Luke nine, beginning in verse number 57, it says, And it came to pass that, as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home, or which at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you this evening, Father, we just thank you for all that you, for all that you are. God, I thank you for the opportunity we had this morning and in the Sunday school classes and in the morning service and, Lord, tonight, just to be able to take your word and look at it and learn. And, Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. Lord, help us to always remember in our hearts and minds what a privilege it is to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, you didn't love us just enough to save us, but you desire a relationship, a fellowship with us. And, God, I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for... For all that you are, Lord, I do ask that you would take me, forgive me of my sins and where I fail you. Lord, there would be nothing between my soul and you, Lord, that I might speak what you have for me to speak tonight. Lord, thank you for everyone's here. Lord, I know we're looking forward 
to the baby shower and fellowship in with Nico and Madi. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'd bless that time to be sweet and special, especially to them. And Lord, we look in your word for the next eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, in that beautiful name we pray, amen. And as we look in here as uh, this particular passage of scripture, look at the last few verses here in Luke chapter number nine. Um, I basically got, I don't even know, I'll run through as fast as I can, but I got some questions I feel like that are asked here in this particular portion of Scripture. There's some questions, some critical questions, if you would, about following Jesus, and some questions that I feel like every person in here, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's questions that you're going to have to answer in your life while you follow Christ. You ever somebody ask you something, and you're like, that's really good, I don't want to answer it right now, I'll wait maybe till I'm more prepared, I'll wait to have more knowledge. But you know what? There are some questions, important questions in following Christ that everybody in this room has to answer. And I believe, honestly, these are some questions that we have to answer every day and at least maybe several times throughout the day and through our lives. And there's some questions that eventually we'll have to prove, not just by words, but by actions. And I want to jump right into it here in just a moment. But before we get into those questions here, I don't know if you noticed, but there's three men that Jesus basically has a conversation with in separate times. And as he's talking to him, I don't know if you notice this, but all three men call Jesus Lord. All three of them. If you look at the first man, look what he says in verse 57. And he said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee. And then if you go on a little bit later, verse 58, remember Jesus says to another man, he said, follow me. And the man says, Lord. And then if you look in verse 61, another one said, Lord, I will follow thee. So it's interesting here, and looking at these choices, or these questions, if you would, of following Jesus, is that there's not one of these guys that doesn't acknowledge who Jesus is. But I truly believe in our discipleship and in following Christ, there's some choices that we have to make as believers. Because can I just tell you, to be honest with you, we can be saved but not following Jesus. We can have salvation but not be actively following and growing in our relationship with the Lord. And I want us to see some questions here tonight, and I'll go ahead and just jump into it, okay? First question I have is this. Number one is this question is, will you choose comfort or will you choose the cross? Will you choose comfort in this life or will you choose the cross? Look in verse number 57. It says, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. That sounds pretty good, good doesn't it? I mean, this man comes up and says, hey, hey, I'm willing. I'm willing to follow you wherever you go. Whatever you do, wherever that happens to take you, I will follow you. And let me give you a little bit of Jewish culture and history here because it's important that this man obviously was somebody that studied Scripture. This is somebody that knew uh, things about teachings of God's Word in the Old Testament. And what they would do a lot is when you were a student and you were somebody learning in the Old Testament and learning the Pentateuch, what you would do is attach yourself to a teacher attach yourself to a rabbi because you wanted to be a student of them because the more popular they were of course what would it do for you exalt you and make you more popular as well right and so that's what you see here and you see this guy says i'll follow you i want to attach myself to you because you're going places that i want to go but then jesus really touches the root of the matter with him he says in verse 58 and jesus said unto him foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man hath not where to lay his head this man was willing. This man was somebody that wanted to attach himself to Jesus. But can I tell you something? This was a guy that wanted to advance himself. 
By the way, don't we live in a day and age where it's all about advancing you? You getting the popularity, you being successful, you being prominent, you being like that. You know what's great? You know what's interesting about it? I don't find that one place in Scripture where I'm ever supposed to exalt myself. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where I'm supposed to exalt myself and lift myself up, my name up, my personality, any of those kind of things. But it says here in this is the idea he wanted to exalt himself, to advance himself. And when he says that, it's interesting what Jesus says to him. Jesus says, well, let me just be clear to you. He says, even the foxes have places. The birds of the air have places. He goes, I don't even have a house. Not only do I not have a house, I don't even have a bed that I can call my own. I don't even have a place that I can lay my head down at night. I don't know about you, but you ever been away from your home for a certain amount of time? And you just don't sleep quite as well as you do away from home as you do at home, right? If you had to sleep at somebody else's house or a hotel or something like that, I mean, you might do a little bit. But there's no better place to get some rest than your own bed, right? Your own bed. Hey, I don't even want my own bed. I like my own pillow. How many of you got, like, your pillow? Like, in your life, it's like, touch not the anointed, right? Like, you can mess with a lot of stuff, but you don't get the pillow, right? Jesus is telling this guy, he's, like, he's testing him to see what does he really want with Jesus. Is following Jesus all about comfort to him? Or understanding, does he want to choose the cross? Because that's where Jesus was heading. And when you look at he said he made it simple. Jesus said made it clear that a life of following Christ isn't a path to more comfort, not to higher status or to greater ease in the world. But the road to following Jesus is not paid with self-advancement. The path to following Jesus is with self-denial. That's what it is. Earlier in the passage here in chapter 9, look in verse 51. So before you even get to these verses and these guys that Jesus talks to, look what it says in verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. You know what that means? Jesus in that moment says, it's time to go to the cross. Jesus knew in that time and moment, even before these three guys come, Jesus says, you know what? It's time to start heading down that road. It starts to head towards Calvary. It starts to head down to that road, and it's time to start heading towards the cross. And even earlier in that chapter, in chapter 9, verse 23, you get what I call the condition for discipleship or the condition, if you would, for following Jesus, where it says in verse 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, if any man will follow me, what does it say? Let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So that's saying this, for me to be someone that truly is going to follow Jesus, you know what I got to do with me? I got to deny myself. I got to deny my wants. I got to deny my desires to be lifted up. I got to deny what my plans are. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean God wants you to be miserable. Some people think, well, God's purpose in life is for you to be miserable, poor, don't have two pennies to rub together and go through life broke. That's not what it's talking about. But we know we live in a day and age where we don't live in a day and age and with people and even people that claim to be Christians that are about denying themselves. They're about denying you stepping on you. Why? To succeed. And if we're not careful, we won't deny ourselves. Why? Because we don't desire the cross. We desire comfort in our life. And that's just our natural uh, human ten- tendencies there. And if you see, he says, let him what? Deny himself and what? Take up his cross. Now, I find it interesting. I've heard people like to say before, that should say, take up my cross. I can't bear the cross that Jesus bore. Jesus' cross is too heavy for me. It's too heavy for you. But he does say, let him take up his cross. That means whatever Christ has in my life today, whatever it is in my burden today, whatever it is in my life that I have to suffer to go through, to endure, 
in my life. Let him take up his cross and what? Daily and follow me. I, I almost hesitate to say this, but are there days that you almost just don't want to take up the cross that God has for you in your life that day? We like to say we don't feel like adulting today. You ever hear that phrase? I don't feel like adulting today. It means I don't really want to take the responsibilities that I'm supposed to have onto myself. And what Jesus is saying, but we got to take up our cross, take up his cross, take up the cross that you got for me daily and follow him. Is that we have to do it. It's not about us. It's not about those different things. And by the way, when he mentions the cross, and understand me when I say this, and just studying this a little bit more, we have a reference today for the cross. We have cross up here. We have cross you know, behind the flower here. When we think of a cross, we put crosses up in our homes. We wear crosses around our neck. I'm not saying anything's wrong with any of that stuff. But you have to understand the first century church, the first century Christians, when you talked about the cross, it was not a beautiful thing for display. It'd be like us in a modern day going to our house, and instead of seeing a cross put up in their day, it'd be us like going to our house today and having electric chairs put up everywhere. It'd be an instrument of punishment, an instrument of death. I dare say if you came to my house and I had little electric chairs put up, you're like, last time eating at Phil's house, okay? Last time we're doing this stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we reverence the cross. But you also got to remember who Jesus is speaking to here. See, when they saw the cross, they remember everything he suffered. When they saw the cross, they saw what Jesus went through. And when the cross was there, they saw what Jesus was going to. And Jesus looks and says, whatever the cross is I give you, you need to take it up daily and follow me. This life is not about me. It's not. And I says, your life is, is not about you. It's not about you. It's about taking up the cross he gives us and, and to following him and, and denying ourselves. And, and you say, well, Phil, this sounds like something really for mature believers. No, actually, it's interesting. He's telling this to very new people in faith in Christ. He's a very basic discipleship, if you would. And the idea to choose the cross greater than the comforts of this world. If you're still there in Luke, flip over to chapter 10, verse number 3. You want to talk about how, talking about the question of choosing comfort or do we choose the cross. In, in chapter 10 of Luke, verse number 3. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. That sounds inviting, doesn't it? The idea of lambs being with wolves doesn't be, sound like a, a sign of comfort. doesn't sound like a sign of, of, of ease. It, they don't, they don't, lambs don't go to wolves for comfort. They don't go to that. And Jesus says, hey, when I'm sending you out because I'm sending you out of your comfort zone. I'm sending you to a place that wouldn't be a place that you would go to. We won't take time to look at it, but there in chapter 10, also in verse 25 down through 27, you get the man that comes to Jesus, and eventually they're talking, and, you know, who is my neighbor? And you get the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I love the parable of the Good Samaritan because the parable there teaches that teaches about loving the least in this life. See, a lot of times when I choose comfort over the cross, I choose to love myself instead of loving the least. Do you remember in that parable of the Good Samaritan? His own people turned on him. Remember, it's the Samaritan, the outcast that showed love. The Samaritan, the one that was rejected, was the one that showed love, that showed, showed grace, that showed those different things. And about sacrificing to the love, to the least of people in this life. Um, flip over to chapter 12, if you would. And I know I'm reading a lot of scripture here to you. But in chapter number 12, and this idea, Jesus warns us of seeking comfort. 
in this life. If that be in our desire, look what he says in, in chapter 12, verse 15. He says, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spake unto them a parable, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he brought, and then he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater barns, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Verse 19. And I will say to my soul, Soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Can, can I tell you something that our country really shoves down our throat and is shoving down the throats of our kids and grandkids? That success today is all about building up, storing up, lifting your own self up, building your own kingdom. That's, that's, what, our, that's what our country and society is all about. I mean, it, it's not anything at all about, about others and helping others. Instead, it's this enjoy life to the fullest now like i said that doesn't mean that as a christian if you have fun and I've, i used to be around people sometimes that would be like well christian ain't supposed to ever have fun christian ain't supposed to smile and i'm like well that's the problem is i say i say a lot the bible says laughter doeth good like a medicine and you know when we look at it, we are to enjoy things but you got to think to yourself sometimes what do we choose you know following jesus sometimes is hard but can i tell you there's there's a joy in following christ that no comfort in this life could ever give there's nothing that it could ever give in that. But that's not what it teaches. And by the way, I get very convicted of that sometimes because, you know, I wonder sometimes how my children see me whenever some comforts of life are, or maybe threatened or maybe some things I'm shooting for to have a possession. Do they see Daddy worrying more about that and striving more about that than they do about those people that are struggling, those people that are going through hardships, those people that are going through uh, struggles, addictions, and, and maybe those people in life that maybe are just struggling physically financially sometimes it's it's it kind of comes back to get you sometimes with the younger ones what we really choose or what we say we're really chasing and in fact in fact that same passage what does it say about this guy that's all about storing up storing up verse 20 says but god said unto him what thou fool pretty strong language right there but this ain't a disciple saying this it's not a good man this is god God's saying the way you live in your life, what you chased in your life, I'll tell you what my words are to you. God says when someone chases possessions, God looks at them and says they're a fool. And that's pretty strong language because he goes on to say, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, when we read that passage, a lot of us don't think about that, but what does it mean to be rich toward God, as it says in verse 20. What does it mean to be rich toward God? I, I believe the answer to that is over in verses, in the same chapter, in verses 32, where Jesus says in, in Luke 12, verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. And he goes on to say, Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourself bags which are not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupt. In verse 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to know tonight if you're choosing comfort in life or choosing the cross that Christ has before you, your heart will tell you. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. That's, that, that is the thing that's close to your heart, the thing that you're chasing the most, the thing you're going after. And the call of Christ is very clear is that don't live your life to make yourself as comfortable as possible.
And this is hard because this fights against everything that our human instinct wants to do. Like I said, I'm not telling you you can't save up. I ain't saying you can't save for retirement. I'm not saying you can't have things, okay? That's not that. Don't be an extremist, okay? Either I got to be dirt poor or I'm going to live it up, okay? It's not that. But what it's saying here is this. It shouldn't be what we seek. What's it saying, Matthew? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things. What are all these things? Everything he talked about earlier about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, what you're going to do. All those things shall be what? Added unto you. And if you notice there in that verse 32, he said, don't fear. Why? Because it's God's desire to give you the kingdom. I tell you, it's really awesome when God provides my needs and honestly, a lot of my wants. And it, I find out something. There's more happiness. There's more joy. There's more contentment when God provides instead of me providing. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I work hard. To, I want to provide. I want to provide. I want to seek all these things in life. But when God provides, man, it's just, it's just awesome. <laughs> To know that he's fulfilling scripture here by saying doing this, these things, and helping and loving other people instead of loving ourselves in that. And we don't need to let the comforts of this world be the story of your life. There's a lot of people that are just chasing and building kingdoms made of sand. They're not going to last. Like I said, it doesn't mean you can't have things. But we shouldn't be chasing those things that one day are just going to crumble. It's not what our life is all about in those things. So we saw uh, the first question right there. Will you choose comfort or will you choose the cross? The second question is this. Uh, will you settle for maintenance or are you going to sacrifice for the mission? Will you settle for maintenance? I mean, will you settle for just maintaining in your Christian life or will you go for sacrifice for what the mission is, the purpose is? Go back there to Luke chapter number 9. So we saw that first guy there. He said, I'll follow you whithersoever I goest. And the guy goes, and Jesus looks at him. And by the way, I thought it funny. Jesus knew the man's heart, so he went right after it, right? Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. There's nowhere for me to, to lay my head. Look what he says to this guy in verse 59. And he said unto another man, follow me. But look what the guy said. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And can I tell you, those are some very difficult verses right there. I mean, you, you think about this. Some people think that in this particular passage, the man's father had just died. Some people think it had been a few days. But obviously, he's asked to do what? The normal, natural thing would be what? Uh, the respectful thing to what? To go have the funeral, go do everything like that. And a lot of people read the Bible and say, look, look, God's a hateful God. God's, no, that's not what God's saying here. But what Jesus is saying is there's an urgency in my purpose. Jesus says there's an urgency in my mission. It's really not that he didn't want him to go bury his father. He wanted him to understand that the longer he delays in his life, the better chance he's never going to do it. Can I be honest with you? There's been a lot of decisions, a lot of convictions, a lot of things that God's impressed upon me that I've just kind of delayed a little bit, a lot of steps of faith, and didn't seek the urgency of it, and eventually it just kind of fell, fell by the wayside. It just fell by the wayside. I didn't take that fruit. It didn't root in my heart. And there's an urgency here. And what's the urgency that he says? But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. What he's saying, ladies, you might be saying, well, I don't have to preach. And what it means is this, for us all to go proclaim. For us all to proclaim the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus. And let's ask ourselves a question. Is the gospel urgent? Is it urgent? It's urgent. And why is it urgent? Because if you're here and you're not a believer, and like I said, I don't know, in the room tonight, you're here on a Sunday night, you're like, Phil, if I'm at church on a Sunday night, bro, I am a believer okay but if you're here tonight and you're not a believer first i want to tell you i'm so glad you're here 
whether I've known you ever since I've been here or whether it's the first time I've ever met you. But I want to tell you that I'm glad you're here because there's something I want you to hear from me, that there's one God that created all of us. There's one God that sustains us. He gives us the very breath that we have. And the other thing to understand about the urgency of the gospel is this. And what we need to remember is that if you're here and you're without Jesus, can I tell you something? That all of us have sinned. Every person has sinned against God. And that might look different in your life from my life. You say, well, Phil, I didn't sin the same way you sinned. It doesn't matter. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all rebelled against him. We've all went our own way. And as a result of our sin, what has happened? There's separation between us and God. And if you ever study, and I, and I enjoy studying other religions, I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed that. Part of it is not so I can prove somebody wrong. Because, but if I can understand where they're coming from and see what they're saying, I can bring in through the Holy Spirit's help, here's Jesus. Because if I'm honest with you and you're honest with yourself, you study other beliefs and other religions, what do they do? You're separated from God and you need to do this, you need to do this stuff, you need to do this, you need to do this, so you can get to God. Here's the great news about the gospel. You don't have to do things to get to God. God's already come down to us. God's already met us. And by the way, there's so many Christians that will sit in good Bible-preaching churches that will hear that salvation is through Christ, and all their life they're still trying to work their way to get up there to God. The work's been done. He's already come to us, and he come to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to earn our way to heaven because God's come to us, and he's done that in that wonderful person of Jesus Christ that we've been studying so much on Wednesday night. And I tell you, I've loved that series about how Jesus is just greater. He's greater than anything we face in those different things. And Jesus lived a life that none of us could live. And you say, Phil, I'm saved on my way to heaven. Why are you telling me this? Because there's an urgency of something you need to remember because there's other people when you leave these doors that do not have the same Jesus that you have. But Jesus came and lived a perfect, obedient life. He had no sin, but he died anyways. Why? For my sin. For your sin. I tell you, it's a good reminder to me if I would live every day with this idea. When I wake up, Jesus died because of me. You ever feel guilty because someone does something or goes through something because of you? I do. Maybe not in the moment, you know, sometimes. But you feel guilty because someone else maybe took the fall for you. You feel guilty or someone had to endure something. I think it would help me in my life understand the urgency of the gospel and not just live this maintaining Christian life and floating Christian life. If I truly would live every day with the remembrance that Jesus chose to die for my sins. So when you think to yourself, do I really want to open this book today? I really got to get to work. I really got some other things to do. Remember that Jesus chose to die for your sins. When you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I probably should pray about this, but I'm so frustrated, I'm so whatever, I'm just going to work it out myself. Remember, Jesus died. He chose to die for your sins. And like I said, I know I'm preaching in the choir because you're here on Sunday night. But when you're tempted and you've got every right reason in the world to come to church and there's really nothing hindering you and you just don't feel like it, remember Jesus chose to die for your sin. When you don't want to sing, when you don't want to fellowship, when you don't want to love on somebody that's least, somebody that's struggling, remember, Jesus chose to die for our sin. And the good news keeps going because, as we know, he didn't just die for our sins. What did he do? Three days later, he rose from the grave. We serve a victorious God, a God that overcomes sin, that overcomes death, that overcomes the 
faith. Why? So that everybody in this room and everybody in the world who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and asks forgiveness of their sins and puts their trust in him, guess what? We don't have to be separated from him anymore. To me, that's the amazing thing. The more I study salvation, you say, why do you study salvation? You've already been saved. Because to me, salvation is the greatest miracle that's ever happened. To think how far I was away from God, but yet God did everything to come to me if I'll just accept him. To me, that's amazing. It's amazing to think about that. The desire that he wants to have a relationship with me. And for us to understand this is that the king has come. And I want to give you some joy. I know we're about to go have a lot of fun tonight, but I want to give you some joy tonight to know that the king of kings has come and chose to die for you. So there ought to be an urgency to go forward in our Christian life, not just play maintenance. Not just fulfill whatever the days are. But you know, what is the purpose? There ought to be some urgency in that. And can I tell you, and I, like I said, I know I'm, I'm preaching to Sunday night crowd, but you want to know what the danger of dying without Christ is? You know what the danger in living in the state of separated from God? If you die separated from God, you'll spend eternity separated from God. Eternity. Can you imagine that? An eternity separated from the one that gave you breath. The one that holds your life in his very hand. The one that can not only save you but sustain you and just dump out his blessing. Yes, the one that allows us to endure some things. Why? So that we may love him and grow to be more like him in those things. But if you think about these things, he, the good news is Jesus has come. God's come to us, so he wants to be with us. And that's the good news, and it ought to have some urgency. I remember um, going to Germany a few years ago. My parents got back not long ago. Going to Germany to see my sister and uh, her husband and children that are missionaries there in Germany. And I remember it's been about six years ago, and um, my brother-in-law his name is Micah, and Micah liked to, wanted to take me hiking in the Alps. They live in the southern part of Germany there, and he wanted to take me hiking in the Alps. And, and can I just tell you, I don't know if you like mountains. I'm from Tennessee. I like mountains. Tennessee looks like pebbles, like hills, compared to these Alps that are there. Like, we're driving down the road, and I can't even look at the mountain. I'm, like, holding my head out the window to look up at these snow-capped mountains in the middle of May. And so he's like, hey, do you want to go hiking? I'm thinking, yeah. We're kind of competitive a little bit. You know, we, we kind of like going at each other a little bit. He's, he's a few years younger than I am. And so he's like, well, hey, we're going to go hiking tomorrow. We're going to go hiking up some of these Alps. I was like, man, bring it. Bring it, man. I'm like sucking on oxygen the whole night before. I'm like, okay, Lord, we're good. Praying against him, you know. I'm doing all this stuff. Popping the window so he gets sick. No, I'm kidding. I'm do all that. But I remember as we're going in these mountains, and we, we got about halfway up a particular mountain, and I took some pictures of it. I think I got them on Facebook and stored on the phone. And, and he just, I got to a certain place where we were out of the shadows and we were up about halfway. And there was a little place where you could get some water, which, by the way, don't ever drink the water. All the water has carbonation in it. It's called water with gas and no gas. Can I tell you, gas bad. Okay, don't, don't drink it. But when you're that thirsty, you'll drink anything. It's kind of like if you ever drink Sprite. And you think you're getting Sprite, but you get that carbonated stuff. It's basically that nastiness, okay? And so we got this little shed that's on the, like, halfway up. And I look around, and just for a moment, Daniel and, I just, uh, Daniel and I stopped, and we just looked. And it was just immaculate, thinking that God created all these mountains. Like, no, nobody could have done that. There's no, like, bang, and all this fell just like this. There's no possible. I mean, it's like, it's like as the heavens, what, proclaim the glory of God. 
And I sat there and I just looked at it and took pictures and we went up further. But can I tell you something? As much as creation and those mountains proclaim the glory of God, they never one time ever spoke of Jesus and the cross. You know why? Because that's a unique privilege for the redeemed. To share the cross of Christ is something that the creation doesn't get to do. The animals don't get to do. Only those that are redeemed, those that are bought by the precious blood of Christ. That's our unique privilege, not our duty. It's not our chore. And, and I just remember thinking about that, and then I think about this. They estimate there's close to how many ever billions of people. I don't think they really know. But they estimate there's close to two billion people that walk on this earth that never even heard the name of Jesus in their language. That don't have a Bible in their language. Two billion people that never even heard the name of Jesus. Yeah, there's urgency. There needs to be an urgency in this. And there's two billion people that, let's just be honest, they're like me and you. There's two billion people that are like your kids. You ever watch missionary videos and clips and see little kids and you get kind of all emotional? Those could be your kids that, that, that grew up, lived, died, and never heard of Jesus. They could be my kids. So there ought to be an urgency in our life to what sacrifice for the mission more than just maintaining and floating and just being feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, Christian. The idea of being in that and, and, and helping in those things. And so we see this, the idea of sacrificing for it. And you say, Phil, but when I think about this and look at this, man, it's just, it seems like it's, it's for mature Christians. It's not. Can I, can I tell, you, tell you something? Peter's one of the greatest disciples, right? Three, three and a half years of Jesus. John's one of the greatest disciples. Three and a half years of Jesus. How long have I been saved? I've been saved over 30 years. You say, I don't have Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We have Jesus. And so we got to quit looking at these people saying, man, look at them. When honestly, they had less time than we do because of our salvation. And saying, the last thing I want to tell you is this. Last question is this. And it's probably the most important one. And I'll breeze through this real quick. The third question is this. Will your life be marked by an indecisive mind or an undivided heart? Will your life be marked by an indecisive mind or an undivided heart? Look back in verse number 61 of, of Luke 9. It says, and another sa also said, Lord, remember, Lord, I what? I will follow thee. If he would have stopped there, it had been great. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home at my house. Jesus, your Lord, Jesus, I will follow you. But first, there's some things that I need to do. There's some things that are close to my heart that I need to take care of. And what does Jesus say to him? And Jesus said, no man, verse 62, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, the idea, what is Jesus saying? He says, don't go back because if you go back, you're going to decide to question. You're going to become indecisive. Has God ever laid something on your heart, maybe in, in reading scripture or maybe in listening to a sermon going down the road or sitting in church, and God just lays something on your mind, lays something on your heart, and you're like, man, I need this. Yeah, I need to do this to my life. I need to change this. I need to add this. I need to remove this. 
and that's something I'm going to do tomorrow. And the next day, God brings it back through the Holy Spirit. Man, remember this? Remember what you heard? Remember what you read? You're like, that's really good. I'm really busy. I got this stuff going on today. Man, I'm going to take care of that next Sunday when I go to church or, or next week. And what happens? We put it off. We put it off and put it off. And remember something. We have to remember spiritually that when God lays something on our heart, that no decision is still a decision. A decision to do nothing is still a decision. It's still a no. It's still a no with that. And when we follow Jesus and we love him most, and what he's saying here, he's not saying you can't have people at home. He's not saying you can't love people. But what he's saying, he's saying you can't have these great relationships. But he's saying if we follow Jesus and love him most, it sometimes makes these other relationships, and forgive me for saying like, almost seem inferior. Can I put it to you like this? I love my children with all my being. I do. But Jesus is the one that gave me. I love my wife. And I need to love her more. I get it. I need to love my family more. But Jesus is the one that gave them to me. We love the gift more than the giver. A lot. We have to love him more. It doesn't mean it's not I love this one and hate that one. It's just Jesus is most. Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is enough. And the question tonight, I guess, in asking this as we close is this, where's your heart tonight? Is your heart seeking comfort? Is your heart seeking just maintain, just kind of keep everything going, keep the plate spinning? Is your heart just saying, you know what? Yeah, there's some things that I need. You know, I'll be sensitive to some things of God, but I'm really not going to make any decisions. Or maybe in your life you get to the point where you say, Jesus is enough. If that means cross, cross. If that means sacrifice, sacrifice. If that means prospering, hey, thank you, God, prosper. But it also means having an undivided heart. An undivided heart in that. I close with that one little simple verse parable that's in Matthew 13, verses number four, verse number 44. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus gives a parable about a man that was going through a field, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, okay? He's going through a field, and he stumbles upon a treasure, and he sees the treasure. It's a treasure of great price. And what does it say he do in Matthew 13, 44? He goes to town, sells everything he has. Why? To buy the land that the treasure is on, right? And can't you imagine that? Imagine the people coming up going, hey, man, you selling your house? Yeah. You selling everything you got? Yeah, everything I got. I mean, I'm selling all of it. To buy that land? You buy the land? Why are you doing that? Guy probably smiled. Well, I got a hunch. You know, something good's going to happen. But he says, you know what, I'm going to sell all of it because I want to buy that field because there's a precious, the most precious thing, more than anything that I have. It's something that is worth more than anything else. What that guy is saying is because he's found something worth risking everything for. Can I tell you, if we're a Christian, you found Jesus. Actually, he's found you. We have something that's worth risking everything. But I don't live that way a lot. I give you the picture of Jesus that's worth losing everything for, sacrificing everything for. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the great shepherd, the good father, the bread of life, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the El Shaddai, the El Nisi. He's the great and powerful God. And there's none like him. And he's worth every single bit of sacrifice and uncomfort I can go through in this world.
question is, does your heart belong to him? Because when it does, these questions that I asked you tonight don't seem hard. They actually sound inviting because you enter into a fellowship with Christ that you don't know anywhere else. But tonight, we all have to answer And remember that no decision is still a decision. Let's stand together if you would, and we'll close in prayer. And again, I encourage you, if you can, we'll go down here to the fellowship.